Hello, everybody. You hear me all right? Thumbs up back there. Good deal. All right. Thank you for coming today. Um, we're going to talk about safety and new standards for mobile automation. We're really going to talk about ANSI, some ANSI changes, as well as some UL changes. Uh, quick introduction. This is my compatriot, Brian Kiger. Huh? It's up there. What thing? Show me. Look at that. Oh, well, okay. So this is Brian Kiger. I'm Brian Kiger. I am the one at the top, of course. Um, and uh, we are going to talk about safety. It's something that's not easy to talk about because it's, well, it's safety. So it won't be exciting, but we hope you get something out of it today. Absolutely. And I am not Randall Voteman. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. So uh, what has occurred is, as with... Uh, many companies here at Modex, um, some of our member companies have had travel restrictions, so some of those companies didn't show up. So I'm going to fill in for Randall today. Randall put the presentation together, and so if it's not great, we're going to blame Randall. We'll blame Randall. That's right. So we're going to get started. Certainly, I think that um, as much as we're going to try, this is going to be a really dry subject. So we're going to talk a lot about... Um, specific changes to documents and those sorts of things. However, I think to make this more fun for all of us, if you have questions, even if it's outside the scope of these specific documents, feel free to, to ask, put your hand up and ask. Um, Brian has been doing this since the Stone Age. He's actually been doing it since 1990. 89. 89, good Lord. Uh, I started in 1996, so we've got a pretty good history in the AGV industry. So if you have a question as we go, please throw your hand up, because as you're gonna see, this is a little bit like uh, um, white bread here pretty quickly. So, so real quickly about who we are as a uh, group that's putting this on. We are a group of uh, leading, I guess no longer AGV is the right word, uh, but automation system, mobile robotics, whatever the term you want to use today. Um, but we are a group of automation companies that can provide mobile robots, and we form up uh, the group called MAG, which you can see up here in the corner, Mobile Automation Groups. And uh, essentially our, our mission is to go out and promote the growth and effective use of the, the mobile autonomous robots that each of our companies have a, a part in. And uh, this can be in manufacturing, warehousing, retail, you name it. Uh, we're hitting just about every sector these days. Yeah. Before this, we were the AGVS group, primarily focused on AGVs as a sector. And with the advent of mobile robotics, or AMRs, um, being an inclusive group and wanting to have those guys have their say in part of our go forward and what we do as an industry, we have adopted those folks. And, and frankly, my company is part of those folks as well as an AMR company. So this is just a quick overview of some of the companies. This is updating constantly. So I'm quite sure that as you walk through the uh, exhibition here today and tomorrow, whenever, how long you're here, you're going to see a lot more companies than just this. But this just happens to be the small handful that are actually official members of this group and that work together. We also have component suppliers as part of the group. So it's a, it's a good mix of, of, of the technology and the suppliers. Uh, this is great. So a little bit about the session to John's point. 
the, really the updates are really just kind of uh, changes in the documents, real exciting stuff, you know, uh, name changes, maybe we changed a few distances, things here, there, but hopefully we can get enough information across to you guys that it will be beneficial about some of the changes that are, are taking place and upcoming. And like John said, I think it would be more beneficial if you guys ask some good questions that you have around safety between our 50 plus years I won't say, well, you already said who had the most. 50 plus years, we can definitely answer your questions regarding safety, so. Yeah, absolutely, so feel free to ask questions as we go. All right, here we go. So again, this is gonna be a bit wordy. However, um, it's important to note that some of this information uh, will be kind of followed up on, on slides after these. So you're gonna see some info, you're gonna see some pictures and then we're gonna follow it up with the answers as we go. I also see some folks who are looking at and taking pictures. This will be available after the show so you can get this, as well as there are links in this document to the documents that we are talking about so you'll be able to, to grab those and, and look at what we're referring to. So, so you, you don't have to feel the need to try to remember everything here. You'll actually be able to get the links from this document. But feel free to take pictures if you want to. Especially of Brian. We will sign autographs afterwards. Yeah. Yes. Are we going to talk to this or no? I mean, it, it is what it is. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> ANSI and UL. There you go. That's there we did it. All about. right. So this is the John and Brian comedy team that most people are used to at this point. So the major changes here to ANSI, I'm Can sorry. Can I stop you? Yes. How many people are familiar with the ANSI B56.5 document? Oh my God, three, four? Gotta be more Maybe than that. we should read this to them. Oh, okay. Wow, okay, so ANSI, who knows who ANSI is? Okay, all right. So uh -huh. ANSI is the governing body, if you will, uh, for the safety standards for industrial trucks, industrial automated trucks, um, and they have created, in conjunction with many of the suppliers on the panel, this standard, which basically gives you the guidelines and standards for not only how your vehicle should be safe, but how to implement a, a, a safe system within your warehouse. Okay? That's about as simple as I can put it. It is. And, and the key here is, is if you are going to buy or look at an automated system, you should download this document. Um, all reputable manufacturers adhere to this document, um, and it gives you some idea of the things that you are going to have to do as a user to have safe operation of a system, as well as to understand some of the parameters by which we operate. And some of those things, I, let's go quickly into just some of these things where you will get to a point where you will ask us questions about, how come I can only get so close to a wall or do those sorts of things? Those are all outlined in this document with respect yep. to the safety and operation of system. And keep in mind, these are just guidelines. They're highly recommended, but in events, it does state in here, and we'll go through this, that you can't maintain a certain distance from a certain structure. There are guidelines for how you can still implement a system safety and the regulations that you have to implement around that situation to go through it, so we'll get to that. So definitely download this when you when we finish this so you can have a copy of it. Number one thing that you should pay attention to when in putting an AGV system, and any reputable supplier is going to be AGV safety first. So we make light of uh, a lot of this comedy stuff that we're doing because it's so dry, but it is a very important 
aspect of any AGV system. So yeah, and and mostly because of these standards, the number of accidents or injuries attributable to an automated system is very very low. It's quite low, and we all use sensors and and uh, practices based around this that keep your people safe. So in many cases, people are buying this equipment not just for return on investment, but also for safety within plants and organizations. Yeah, and that's a great point, John, because a lot of people don't know this, but there are many instances where your insurance underwriter will come in and actually your insurance adjustments and claims can be much lower with an AGV system than a forklift or some other type manual system because the insurance companies consider this a more uh, controlled, safer solution, and it mitigates a lot of the risks. So they will actually adjust your insurance based on implementing safe technologies like this. Absolutely. Now, during our monologue here, I hope you had time to read this because we're not going to read it because this is, tells you what we're about to tell you, and you are going to see this paradigm repeated a lot in this presentation. So grab this one, Brian. So this is just kind of showing your typical situation that you may have when you're trying to figure out your clearances. So that when you're considering the, the criteria within this zone, you have your clearance on one side of the vehicle, your clearance on the other side of the vehicle, you're gonna have your e-stops. You have to make sure that you can reach your e-stop in any situation that you may be in. And then your object detectors have to be, you can't just pull those in and say, hey, if we don't have enough room, we'll just pull them in. There's a mandatory limit, which is defined by ANSI. Read the document. But these are your criteria that you have to, uh, to look at and worry about and make sure that you understand. Okay, so you've seen the picture. Now, here are some changes here as well with respect to clearances and stopping distance and test pieces. So all of these things are things that are recommended for us with respect to how the vehicle will stop, speeds at which the vehicle can travel, and the distance and testing that we would do to make sure and validate that our systems will operate within these standards. So you've seen those first two slides, you've seen clearance, 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 and vehicle stopping distance. Now we'll talk about some of the changes. So hazard zones, we talk about hazard zones. Now that's a, an area where you um, really don't have enough clearance in an area for a person to be able to get out of that area effectively. Let but me define it is that not a, bit a restricted further. area. Right. Go ahead. So the recommended clearance between an AGV, including its load, and any external structure is half a meter. So when we're talking hazard zone, we're talking about slightly less than half a meter, but still room to manipulate, man maneuver and, and uh, manipulate whatever you're you're doing in there, picking or whatever. So that's what it, just clear that up. Half a meter is, is what's recommended, and then a hazard zone is something slightly less than that, but you can still maneuver in the aisle between the vehicle. Right, and the key difference, the key change here is a recommended speed for a hazard zone. And you'll see that will drop as we get into tighter and tighter areas through this presentation. So for, for instance, a restricted area might be an area where there is no escape route so we're, we back down an aisle let's just say we're deep lane storing pallets right and you have built pallets on either side and now we're backing down and you can't get out that's a restricted area 
in those situations, you can still operate an AGV, but you have to operate it at a much slower speed. And I don't think 0.3 meters per second is a change, is it? No, it's not. I don't know what's on here. It's not okay. a change. So it's not necessarily a change. However, that is the area in which we're talking about. Um, what, what is a change is this 1.2. Fair so enough. this is kind of part of the whole right. scheme. And then you get into an area like a very narrow aisle. Um, in that situation, consider this something where you have no way out and the vehicle theoretically can't stop, in which case you simply prohibit anybody from walking in that area. Um, we've, everybody know what a very narrow aisle is, like a 72-inch aisle, typically a turret truck. Truck's moving three meters per second or something quite fast. So in these areas, completely restricted, keep people out. And again, um, the change here, it doesn't look like there's much of a change on it with respect to this, although um, I think this is more clear in the wording than it was in the past. Yeah, now one thing I want to do add to this is, it's not noted here, but anytime you have fallen to this category of restricted area or less, you do have to mark the area in some way by uh, signage, striping, you have to mark it as a uh, restricted or hazardous area. Right. And, and usually that means uh, they're, they're recommending people steer clear of it. And even though we're talking about zoning here and the, this portion of it, that is definitely spelled out in the document. So you'll see that when you read it in the document. Oh, this is the fun part of the presentation. I'm, yes, good question. Oh boy. Perfect time. Yes, let's go to the previous slide because this one's not. <laughs> Wait, stop. Give me your mic. Oh, yeah, it's good, yeah. So uh, just so I'm clear, a restricted area, if there's um, an aisle blocked on one side but it's open on the other, would that be a restricted area? Yes, if you cannot escape and there's less than. But you can enter and turn around and then go back. Good question. So what you would do is on the side that is restricted, you would make sure you mark that area on that side as a restricted area. The other side, you should be free and clear. If there's a, if there's a restricted on either side, you still have to follow the restricted. Because we can't guarantee that the person's going to know which sides, they may be not be that smart. Very narrow aisle, so very narrow aisle means the vehicle just, it just barely clears the rack. So because they're guiding on 72 inches is the standard, but it's that's not. A, that's an industry standard, Yeah, and that's, that's why I said it, right. So, so don't take that as a, a norm, but if you think of very narrow aisle storage systems where you have racking on either side and typically a turret truck in the middle, and that's what Brian is talking about. When you run that truck down that aisle, Typically, you're either on a wire or you're using rail guidance or something, and typically you're running at very high speed. So there is no way you can outrun this vehicle, and you don't want to. So that's why you want to have those as restricted zones, and that's why we're, you know, it's part of this document. Did that clear that up for you? Okay, good deal. Hey, back to this one. There you go, Brian. So I'm not going to read any of these, but once you do download the document, this slide still doesn't help you because if you've never seen the document, you won't know that these are new. They'll all be new for you. But anyway, <laughs> we did want to note for anyone that has read the document before, there are some new uh, 
entries in there that might be different than the past, but they're all very relative to the document. And just to be perfectly honest, I just keep it here to make him uncomfortable. And, and this one, too. Why don't you just put a monkey in there? I don't know. I'm sorry. Again, we're, we're really dealing with changes to documents, and it's obviously um, not very exciting. Stop. You feel comfortable speaking on the mic? All right. So do you separate between AGV and, a and AMR? Is there like the AMR definition in this document? I didn't hear it. Is there, is there a difference, different def definition for AGV and AMR? So does the document define AGV and AMR with respect to these items? It doesn't state no. anything regardless to AMR. However, there's many perceptions of what an AMR is. Right. So AMRs that have safety definitely have to adhere to this as well. But and this also noted earlier, I don't think we went over it, it it has now been adapted also for AMRs that work inside of a safety fence and have no safety on them. Things have been adapted for that, but in, in that term, they have no safety sensors on them. Yeah, and they're just to help with this a little bit. So our company manufactures AMRs that look like AGVs. So their difference is path planning versus path following. However, most people think AMR as bots. So our vehicles adhere to ANSI because we really are an AGV, even though we perform differently. Most of the time when we hear that question in the ask, the, the person asking the question is mine, you're asking about a very small bot. And in some ways those can be intrinsically safe is not the word, but. Let's just ask the question. What do you think of when you say AMR versus AMG? is a vehicle that uh, doesn't need any infrastructure to get to, to get so no infrastructure but it still needs to have the safety because it's still working around people and in most cases the safety sensor is the same used the same for the uh, the inf infrastructure as well now to, to make this even less clear for you <laughs> um, the robotics group the RIA is working on an AMR document very similar to this. So there are uh, literally three groups or more working on documents that, is ma that are making things less clear than more clear. Um, now, bear in mind that ANSI has been around far longer than I've been around. So this document is kind of morphing over time. And I remember early days of ANSI when some of our older compatriots were working on it, it took years to get this document modified. So I think we're, we're lagging behind a great deal with some yeah. of the, even some of these changes that we're seeing today For instance, with respect to AMR. Yeah, when the industry went from a mechanical bumper oh God. to a, yeah. a laser safety bumper, I think it was seven years to get that changed over into the ANSI document. So there was always this, uh, well, no, we want you to adhere to the ANSI document. Well, it doesn't say anything about laser bumper. So it was just implied that as long as it didn't hit you before it stopped, then it, it was safe. Yeah, but there was there was a huge pushback a huge even from there. the industry for that as well. Yeah. Um, and then additional information is added: uh, non-emergency controls and devices. You know, this is these are things that um, fall outside. I'm a, I'm I'm going to make a guess, but I'm just going to say it: um, fall outside the safety system of the AGVs. So all all manufacturers have 
a safety chain on their vehicles that when broken, the vehicle comes to an immediate stop. And these are not tied into the safety circuit. These are not tied into the safety circuit, but they are part of the safety chain. So if you walk up beside a vehicle or do something where you're, the vehicle stops, that's part of the chain. However, it's not part of the fail-safe safety chain, which is considered yep. you know, the safety standard. Anything tied to the safety circuit when it is interrupted requires a manual reset before it can be restarted. Otherwise, it falls outside of that. All right. Control disconnect, this is pretty obvious. Uh, so simple switch to be able to disconnect all the control circuits as well as a battery power disconnect. These are things that we all pretty much already have, but it just started to get in the document, I'm assuming. And here's the good part, and I say that because I have no idea what's going on in UL 3100. However, as a group, so we're part of the MAG group, we're the education group, we have a person, Randall Voltman, <laughs> who's not here, who goes to these meetings for us and reports back on what's happening with these new documents. So the UL 3100 is another document very similar to ANSI. Let me ask this the question. Document. Go ahead. Who is familiar with UL, Underwriter Laboratory? Which one would you trust, ANSI or UL, right? So it. So it, just, just for your information, because people always say, are your vehicles UL certified? There is no such thing as UL certification for the complex system that is an AGV system. Every AGV can have UL certified components but the AGV and AGV system as a whole has never been certified UL. This is something that UL 3100 is now trying to get their hands around and find a way to create that platform. And potentially a revenue stream. Yes. So here we go. So UL 3100 requirements address commercial or industrial environment, battery operated trucks, AGVs intended to be used indoors. So. The majority of AGV systems are used indoors. Um, outdoors creates a whole different set of parameters for things with respect to what we're looking at here. Um, so I think what they're trying to do is just get a handle around the things that are the most common. Next one down, industrial trucks, AGVs are intended to be used and installed in accordance with. So they are referencing the ANSI standard. So apparently they're using an existing standard and they're going to you know, tie into that to get, you know, to, to leapfrog and to get to in some more additional. And I'm not sure if this is a safety document or what this is really designed to do, but I think we're going to get there a little bit further. Go ahead. Yeah, I believe right now what the, the UL 3100 is, is just an investigation into, is this possible to certify by, via UL and then how do they go about doing it and what different documents should they be referencing while doing so? and what type of uh, functionality should they include in the UL. And, and this is not something with respect to that scope that we're totally unfamiliar with. If we have put systems in Canada, in many cases, we have to rely on some Canadian... Um, CSA. Yes, and, and some of those, even for certain provinces, have much more stringent um, codes with respect to the operation of the system. So there are things that we have to deal with that are fairly similar to, I think, what we're trying to get to here, but we'll continue on and, and try to find out as we go. Yeah, because what's even more confusing is that a lot of people actually provide AGVs that are CE certified, yet you hear people say, no, we want UL certified or CSA. 
It's a and, totally and different they, animal. And, right. and they don't even know the fact that actually CE certified is like here, and the other certifications are here. So don't be afraid if you have a supplier that says they were CE certified. That is actually pretty high up on the list. Doesn't mean you can't get the rest, but at least know just to have in the back of your mind, CE certified is probably the top of the chain because they actually certify everything in the vehicle. So uh, this is really just talking about what it excludes, but for all intent and part purposes, what it does include are AGVs and AMRs. So we're gonna jump past this one. Oh, another interesting slide. So here's what's in the document. You can read that, I'll give you a second. At instructions, that's a good one. Okay, here we go. Here we go, on the horizon, oh, here's what we're doing now. Um, preparing a release, so ISO is a whole nother document. Who knows what ISO is? Somebody's gotta know this, okay, yeah, now we're of, talking. Okay, good. All right. Go better. ahead, David, talk about ISO. So ISO, ISO is basically yet another, like he said, safety protocol that people have to put, and there's many different uh, ISO certifications depending on what you wanna get ISO certified in. But for the safety uh, requirements and verification for AGVs, there is an ISO document for this as well. And they're actually expanding that, I believe, to part four, which where they're gonna, they don't tell you what the update is, but they tell you they're gonna be updating the part four is what this is saying. Right. And to your point on the RIA, we're continuing to work on that. New standards for the AMRs, how do we bring those into the fold? It's just been, I don't even think AMR is the only term. I mean, AMR, AGV, AGT, AGC. There are many terms. So, and, and it evolved over the years. And AMR came on like a lightning bolt several years ago. And it, it's just a difference in the way that we control the robots. But specifically, this is causing, not, not, not the RIA in particular, but ISO is very good. ANSI is very good. NIST is working on a spec, um, RIA. It really, uh, until these things meld into something that is more congruent, we end up with more confusion than we do um, a path forward on, on what is the best. So if you were to ask me, which one should I care about? Very likely I would point you to ANSI. It's the one that's been around the longest. However, based on our conversation, it doesn't, it doesn't really talk about AMR and some of the aspects of what AMRs do at all. So RIA is concentrating on AMR, but it doesn't really talk about what AGVs do either. Now, how does that cause some confusion? Because my company is an AMR company that operates like an AGV, so I fall in both camps. So we have to deal with, to some degree, both of these. But in many cases, it's the size of the truck and the degree of damage that this truck can do at full speed to an individual. Does that make sense? If we want to commercialize in globally, like uh, in uh, North America, EMEA, APAC, what, uh, what do we need to follow? What was ISO, right? ISO is the universal standard then. And that was that's, the, that's the one you would follow worldwide. Yeah. And, it, and many people would say it's a better standard. Yeah. 
easier all, to understand pictures. Go ahead. All this RI standard is trying to accomplish is to fill a gap right now. Right. Nothing more. It's just trying to fill a gap where there's a gap in the ANSI standard. But ISO is constantly staying over both areas. So I, th I think I think the best thing that I can tell you safety-wise is first talk to your supplier and get a good understanding of their safety program that they have internally. How do they go about making their decisions? How do they go about making their vehicles safe? What type of standards are they following? Then you should also probably download it so you can stay in aligned with them. But the biggest things are really, keep in mind, they're guidelines. So you want to communicate back and forth with your customer, I mean with your supplier to make sure that you are getting absolutely what's the best safety solution for your environment. Wow, we made it to the end. Uh, and I'm the only one here, apparently. So, you're con not so if, if you want some more information, certainly reach out to Brian or and Randall or, or me. You certainly can reach out to John Hayes as well. Um, so we're here, but the key here is please download the documents. They're online. They can be just as dry as this presentation was. We tried to make it a little bit better, but it's important to have them. And it's important to understand, especially things like restricted zones and um, hazard areas, because it will give you some understanding of, number one, how the system will be laid out, some understanding of why things may look slower than your operation today. So if you're using a forklift today, I guarantee if someone puts an AGV in that exact same system, you're gonna say, boy, that's a lot slower in operation than my forklift. Yeah. But the simple fact is, it's also safer. And it's safer because we follow these standards. So if there's any questions, please feel free. Do we have any questions? Happy to answer any questions. Uh, if not, Brian's gonna sing. No, but I, I do have one more thing to oh, say here. Sorry. And, and to your point, like John, <laughs> the vehicles are slower, they are safer, but rule of thumb is for every forklift you have, depending on how tight your aisles are, but rule, generally you can have two vehicles, two AGVs for every forklift. Some instances it's even three, depending on how long your runs and like I said, how narrow your aisles are. So just keep that in mind, but these vehicles will run 24-7 and you won't have to flip over manual labor to, to, to guide, to drive them, so. But please, I can't, I can't stress this enough. Read the document, understand the difference between, and John hit on this, the difference between uh, safety controls, safe, things that are tied into your safety circuit, and devices that are not, because you will see some people out here with scanners that are detecting objects, but they're not safety rated and they're not tied into the safety circuit. So it's very Does important. Does anybody understand what that really means with a safety rated piece of equipment? That means that if that device fails, the equipment doesn't move. It keeps Period. Going. And that's really the key, because there are, there are sensors on all of our vehicles that are not tied into that safety circuit, but are there to slow and stop the vehicle. However, there is a very high-tech expensive piece of equipment, in some cases multiple pieces of equipment, that if you break that beam, it stops on the safety chain. And if that piece of equipment fails, the vehicle will no longer operate. And that's key because some sensors on vehicles, they fail, you would never know it. The vehicle might not slow down, but the safety system 
if it is not operational, vehicles do not operate, period. So number one question for your supplier is, which sensors are safety rated and which ones are not? And that'll help you from the get-go so you don't have that misconception during installation commissioning when someone leaves a, I don't know, a ladder hanging out this far, the safety sensor doesn't see it, but there's another sensor that says, hey, there's something there, but it doesn't stop because it stopped working. Understand, that probably wasn't tied into the safety circuit and not considered a safety sensor. So right. Come on, somebody ask a question, like anything. Come on, no? Ask about Oh, anything. we got one. All right, sorry guys, you can't leave yet. So the, the standard seems to try to slow the, slow the vehicle more than uh, to, to keep it safe, right? But is there, do you see a point where the technology is going to be good enough where we can have uh, AGVs running at full speed and still being, being safe and be able to, to stop to that's stop when, 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 that's they a great to, question. when they need to stop? And uh, will, will the standard reflect that? That's a great question. A friend of mine, John, I think you know her, Meredith at Tesla, once said that the only way you're going to get full optimization out of a safety system is if you can get a safety system to a point where it can tell the difference between a human leg and a column. If it's a column, they just keep driving full out because they know that column's not going to jump out in front of them. But if it's a human, they could slow it down. But to this point, now I saw some pretty cool technology that you can actually get pretty close, but I don't think it's there yet. But that's what we're going to have to get to in order to be able to do that. So. And there have been some advances in, just by companies like SIC, that have increased the sensor range. But you have to think, you have to take into account that it, the vehicle has to stop before it hits someone. And if you jump in front of a vehicle doing two meters per second at two meters, likely stop. Even if the sensor will, be, will look out 20 meters, but you jump in front of a vehicle doing three meters per second, you're gonna get hit and hurt bad. Right. So, so sensor technology is definitely getting there, but you, but the ability for people to do things that are not, they're really not supposed to do, that's, that's a computing problem like you're talking about. The, the, the ability to identify things that just aren't supposed to be there versus things that are, We're, I believe we'll get there. There's no doubt in my mind we'll get there. Yeah, oh, they are for sure. Right. Yeah, he was saying the automotive industry is getting there fast. And, and to be fair, a lot of what's happening in the automotive industry is transferring over because of economy of scale. I mean, you came by our booth, you saw some of the stuff that all of us are doing because we're using sensors that are being used by those companies. And those sensors were not available five years ago, at least not at the cost that we're getting them at now. So all that stuff is starting to filter down to industry, which is a good thing for all of us, as well as battery technology. That's changing very quickly. Go ahead, I'm very sorry. That's okay. So you said safety rated. There are a couple of standards, right? ANSI is one of them. Um, ISO is one of them. And then UL3100 is one of them. So when you say safety rated, do we just pick one? Or is it ISO that is? So safety rated, there are several standards out there. But the safety rated, the best way to put it is is it tied into the safety circuit? Because every, every standard out there that's tied back to the safety, that's what they consider safety rated. It's tied into a safety PLC so that if anything on that circuit breaks, the vehicle stops. 
And I so think they all address it. They all address but it. But they don't necessarily tell you exactly what we're telling you, which is it, if it fails, the vehicle stops. So I don't know that they all go in that in depth, ISO but they all closest. address it. ISO does? Okay. ISO comes the closest. You also said earlier that uh, we have to check if the sensor is safety rated. What, what standard do they follow? Like if I, if I, if I go to SICK or, or another provider, what, what do I ask? SICK or whoever you talk to, they can tell you if their device can be safety rated, but then it's still up to your supplier to make sure that they tie it properly into the safety circuit. So there's safety rated devices, but in my mind, it's still not safety rated until it's tied into the safety circuit because that's what makes it safe. So it's, so it's a little less than clear, right? So, so you could buy the SICK safety device, which many of us use, and it is a safety rated device. So it, 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 it is safety rated in that manner because the communication to the device has a heartbeat. Correct me if I'm wrong. And if it senses that the heartbeat goes away, it understands that even though it may be getting um, a reply from the sensor, if the heartbeat goes away, the communication is lost, and the system must stop. So that could happen if power goes out. It could happen if the sensor is seeing something odd. But really what it means is that the logic to, to make it stop is housed in the device or on the equipment provided with the device. It should not be run through the vehicle software. So it, it should almost act like a, not an e-stop, but in that manner where when it fails, it should not go through the thought process of the, the, the supplier's brain board. It's gotta, it's gotta happen there. And that's what safety rated really means is that it doesn't run through um, the, the I, I'll give you, I'll give you yeah, another example. Ahead. So in a goods-to-person system, at a pick gate, the pick gate is communicating with the vehicle to let it know that it is safe to now move in front. Light curtains are in the correct states. That should always occur by a safety radio sequence because that safety radio on the vehicle is tied into the safety circuit. What I've seen some people do. Well, look at me. Not you, but I, I'm looking at you because you'll, you'll flip when you hear this. Some people say that they feel that a wireless LAN communication is safe, and it's not because that wireless LAN has latency problems. It can have all kinds of interference from wireless LANs on the node in your, your warehouse. And plus, the wireless LANs communicating to the wireless LAN on the vehicle, which is not tied into the safety circuit. So if someone tells you that's their communication, then you know it's not safe because it's not communicating with a safety device. Anything else? Oh, good. I'll, I'll get him. Hi. Um, so if we consider this as like a factory floor or like some kind of work site, uh, how would we divide up the restricted area or the hazard area? Like, could you show us like which part would be considered as like a hazard for the AGB and which part would be considered like a restricted area? So the hazard's actually really- Good question. Hazard area is really designed more about how much space you have existing. So if you're actually designing a building from scratch, you could actually design it so there's no hazardous areas. Every area has. So. So in this room, right here would be, again, this depends on your vehicle size. 
But let's say you have if a there's vehicle. There's no escape. You probably got a you've yeah. really probably got a restricted area there. So I'm right here. Oh, I'm getting echo. But I have room to escape, but it's a very narrow. So that would be your your hazard. hazard. Yes. If you can't get out, restricted. If you can get out, it's a hazard. Does that make sense? But restricted. It's restricted, but you still have half a meter on either side right. usually. So you don't have to mark it as a hazard area. That's the key is half a meter on either side of the vehicle to the nearest structure. If you have a half a meter or greater, then you have enough room to, for a person to maneuver and walk around. You don't have to mark that area as a And it is a little gray area. because in this application, this application is specific as well, we may have a very small AMR tote moving robot, which is 24 inches by 24 inches, which gives you more than enough space in this area to do anything you want. Or we might have a double forklift vehicle trying to put loads in there and there is no escape zone. So it, it's very much application specific um, and it has to do with the area around the vehicle. Does that make sense? I wish I could be more clear, but it's, a lot of it is application specific, but it does have to do with the space available and your ability to get out of that area safely. And if there's any doubt, mark it and call it a restricted area because you do not want anyone to get hurt. If anybody, that, that has been the mantra for every, every vendor in this industry, we fail on the side of, or err on the side of fail safe so that um, no one gets hurt. Any, any injury to anyone by any manufacturer gives all manufacturers a black eye. So, all right, guys, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for coming. We know it's a... Yeah, if you have further questions, oh, yeah. we'll be up here for Absolutely. a few minutes. So feel free to come by. Hey.